Why are we all niggas? Why are we deaf, dumb, dumb? That's a good question. Why is everybody making progress, yet we seem to be lagging so far behind? Listen up, brethren, it ain't hard to tell. A black man's heaven can be a black man's hell. The fruit of Islam probably knew this so well. The Clarence Gill say you got bean pies to sell. If they give you those papers, you better sell them fast. And if you don't sell them, they will beat your ass. They got killers on the staff. I ain't trying to insult. I'm just trying to expose the wicked ways of a cult. There was a man named Malcolm who led a revolt. Well-dressed, well-read, and he walked what he talked. He brought the nation thousands. They started off with 400, but the rumor was that now Malcolm wanted to run it. That wasn't the truth, but we'll get to that later. Let's talk about the messenger, the student of the savior. It was Malcolm X who made the nation greater. Malcolm loved Elijah. Elijah loved his paper. Standing on principles wasn't Elijah's nature. There was powerful men who Elijah owed favors. On top of that, Malcolm X had a lot of haters. A lot of haters. A lot of haters. Joseph from Detroit. Lewis up in Boston. The royal fam who was in the shining and flossing. John Ali and several other niggas, and don't forget the boys from North, the ones behind the triggers. I almost forgot to mention James Shabazz. When karma got to him, they beheaded his ass. I ain't the one trying to laugh at the way the brother died. It reminds me of January 1965, when Lewis X wrote that Malcolm shouldn't be alive and that the die is set, and Malcolm must die. When Malcolm not around, he was feeling emboldened. They printed a picture that had Malcolm's head rolling. Norman Butler saw the paper, even heard him quote it. The sad part about it is the nigga even sold it. Malcolm had his own style. Farrakhan stole it. He wanted Malcolm out so that he could be promoted. Leadership made the hit so they could live large. Can't keep stealing money. If Malcolm is in charge, Malcolm was an honest man in the room full of crooks. And with the heat from the government, Elijah was shook. His tax-free status was a real good look. But with this heat coming down, they might audit the books. I'm sure that the pimping and the scheming was logged. Ironic how these Muslims lived high off the hog. Didn't eat pork, but they acted like swine. Elijah knew damn well he wasn't divine. He concocted a religion that was graphic design to capture the minds of the young, dumb, deaf, and blind. It was a good teaching, but he ain't put it in practice, moved itself forward, and moved all of us backwards. And with this, I submit that it ain't hard to tell that a black man's heaven can be a black man's hell. Welcome back. Welcome back, brothers and sisters. You're tuned in to another episode of the Gospel of Malcolm X podcast. And uh, I appreciate you guys for tuning in with me today. We're going to have a very, very interesting episode. I'm going to be doing a breakdown of some of a of an interview that Louis Farrakhan gave recently. It wasn't a very recent interview, but I want to address some of the lies and some of the deceptions and just kind of show you some of the character of this person who people revere 
uh, in this community. And you got people like Ice Cube giving him reverence. Dr. Boyce Watkins is totally is always um, giving Farrakhan a lot of props, but he never addresses the issue of what took place in the Malcolm X situation and definitely never addresses the issue of what took place in the Khalid Muhammad situation. And if anyone with any common sense goes and studies the facts of any of those situations, you don't reach the same conclusions that Boyce Watkins reached. But recently, Boyce Watkins, his character to me, even though he provides a lot of information that that I agree with, and he seems to be uh, pretty sharp, his stance on the Farrakhan thing, I think, is, is one instance in which shows a character flaw. But recently as well, um, there's been a gentleman by the name of Jay Morrison. That's his character uh, has come into questions in terms of some of his business practices and things like that. And of course, Boyce Watkins pretty much is standing by him religiously, refuses to address any of the facts or any of the information that has come out about it. And so Boyce Watkins, willing, his willingness to align himself with people of questionable character makes me have to question his character. Because what kind of guy are you if you want to align, align yourself with con artists and scammers and cult leaders and, and things like that? What, it, it brings his, his character into question. But anyway, today's episode, I know I promised you guys that I was going to do a breakdown of the shooting that took place um, with Brother Khaled. And I will do a, a breakdown of that. So expect that coming on a on a future podcast episode. So I'm definitely going to do that. But today I'm going to get into this Farrakhan interview and break down some of the lies that he he outright tell told and tells on on Malcolm. And it's it's so many years after the fact, and this guy is is still lying. And to me. That's a shame. And what's even more of a shame is that people in the black community, they revere him and, and they're not calling him on his lies. Just because somebody can tell the truth charismatically on issues of social injustice and issues of the black man's plight here in America, that doesn't mean that they are an honorable person. Most people that would refer to themselves as the honorable this and the honorable that, most people that would refer to themselves that way are not really honorable. But I'm gonna let the, the interview play and then we'll we'll get into some of his dishonorable uh character traits. Sway in the morning, only from Shea 45. 10, 10, 10, 15. And 20th anniversary of the Million Man March, the day up in Tommy. You know, and, and you know, I remember 20 years ago, I was fighting to, to um, uh, come to D.C. and be a part of that, that Million Man March. I remember the 10-year anniversary as well. You know, one of the things I always admired about you, you know, even to this day, one of the things from your past that 
a lot of people that that's attached to uh, Minister Louis Farrakhan's legacy is your relationship. And you spoke about him earlier with Brother Malcolm, you know, and a lot of folks, I even asked folks today, what would you have me ask him if, if you had a chance to talk? And the majority of people ask about your relationship with the Brother Malcolm um, and what's happened since. People don't really know what happened since his death and your relationship with his family. They didn't see the Mike Wallace interview. You know, they didn't they didn't know about um, you meeting with Betty Shabazz. Can you clarify? What's oh, your of course. Yeah. Well, first, uh, Brother Malcolm was my mentor. I've never met a more disciplined man. I was very fortunate to have him as my teacher. He was the greatest helper of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. I would have given my life to protect his life because of my deep love for Elijah Muhammad and his being his top student. Unfortunately. All right, so here we go. This is already some instances of shadiness here. I would have given my life to protect his life. Not because he's the most disciplined person that I ever met. At one point in time, when Farrakhan said that he saw Malcolm, he said that either he said that when he saw Malcolm, he thought that either this man was God or he saw God. So not I would give my life for Brother Malcolm based off of who he is or the fact that when I saw this man, I thought that either he was God or he saw God. I would give my life for him because he was Elijah Muhammad's top student. BS already, but I'm going to let, I'm going to let the interview play. There would come a time when he would break ranks with the nation and break ranks with the Honorable Elijah Muhammad over an aspect of Mr. Muhammad's personal life. When, uh, before that happened, if you remember when John Kennedy was murdered, I don't know whether you know this, but Elijah Muhammad instructed all his ministers not to say anything mm -hmm. about the assassination of President Kennedy. Brother Malcolm was speaking at uh, the Manhattan Center, and he got through the lecture perfectly, but he had a question and answer period, and a man from the New York Times asked him a question concerning President Kennedy. This is also a correction on my part because I said that um, I believe that Brother Malcolm was at Columbia University. That wasn't correct. Um, as he said here, they were at the Manhattan Center. And he made a statement that was true. It was a case of the chickens uh -huh. coming home to roost. However, he disobeyed the direction of the teacher. 
The next day, the newspapers said, Malcolm rejoices in words over the assassination of Kennedy. Now we have many believers in prisons all over America under white Catholic gods. Persecution began because they loved Kennedy. Malcolm was exposing Kennedy, not telling lies, telling truth. But that violation of the instructions of his teacher caused the teacher to silence him. During that period of silence, I was invited to New York to speak on a particular Sunday as other ministers were coming in. And Malcolm came and met me and took me to his home on 2311 97th Street. And during uh, the dinner, Betty brought the dinner in, Malcolm began to tell me about my teacher's personal life. And after he finished, he said, now, brother, I could get these sisters on the telephone and trick them and make them tell you that what I'm telling you. Malcolm said that he could trick them and get them. Come on, man. Come on. Go and let it play. It's true. I said, no, brother, you don't have to do that. When he took me back to the air. Begs the question, though, why wasn't Farrakhan, Lewis X at the time, Lewis Walcott, why wasn't he concerned about the truth anyway? If there were allegations that your teacher or whatever was sleeping with teenage girls, why weren't you concerned about the truth? Airport, he said to me, brother, now I don't want you to tell anybody what I've told you. I said, no, I'm not going to tell anybody but the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And I saw his shoulder jump. Now, I talked about this uh, in, the, in the last episode, that Malcolm had the conversation with Elijah and told Elijah, hey, I'm going to go and talk to some of the ministers and go and prepare them for, you know, what's about to, what's about to happen with this. Elijah said, okay, cool. You can talk to everybody you want to. Don't talk to Lewis about it because Elijah is an older man and is very emotionally intelligent. If I had to give him any credit for any positive aspect of Elijah Muhammad, he was really emotionally intelligent and really understood people. He understood how to play people like chess, men, women, anybody. He really was a player. He was a player and he understood what Farrakhan's character was and what his MO was. And he knew that Farrakhan would take this information and bring it back to him because there were already people that were bringing information like, say, Joseph X 
the already people that were bringing information back to Elijah every time that they had a chance. So he already knew what time it was with Farrakhan. Now, Malcolm was not, even though he was a very sharp and intelligent man, he wasn't always as a, definitely not as emotionally intelligent. Um, and in terms of understanding people and how this scenario would play out as, as the elder in this situation, Elijah. So he went and he told Lewis, trusting him as a friend, but he didn't understand that he couldn't trust Lewis. I would also say this begs the question, what kind of man, what kind of character do you have? If your mentor comes and confides in you and you go and use that information to go and start a riff that would help him get kicked out of the nation of Islam and essentially would also start the series of events that would lead to his murder. What kind of man are you to do that type of thing? Is this is, is this the guy that y'all are praising as the top leader in the black community? Somebody that can't even hold a secret from a friend that's going to go play tattletale. And this is why Elijah Muhammad, even after all of this happened, if you go and read the FBI documents, Elijah, Elijah Muhammad never trusted Louis Farrakhan. He never trusted Louis Farrakhan. That man, for all of his faults, then the sleeping with the young girls and basically pimping people and building up the infrastructure and doing whatever he had to do, he was ruthless in terms of of staying in power but the one of the reasons why he was able to stay in power was because he was very 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 shrewd and emotionally intelligent very very emotionally intelligent man and he knew that farrakhan was a snake if you read the book by carl evans called the messenger and i wish i had it with me i would pull up the chapters he was even telling his children hey watch out for that lewis i don't trust him I don't trust Lewis. And this is coming from Elijah Muhammad. And, and Elijah Muhammad knew what his character was. And he knew that he was going to create issues for Malcolm even more so um, than what was already going on because the atmosphere was being built up. But you can't even trust this man with the secret because he's going back to Chicago, starting up a series of events that he knows will get you in trouble, get you kicked out of the nation, and can get you killed. He knew how dangerous the nation of Islam was at that time. He was in his late 20s, early 30s. He knew how dangerous the nation of Islam was at that time. And he was playing games with Malcolm's life then. Malcolm thought that he could trust and confide in this man. But this is not a friend. This is a Judas. And he's still a Judas today to the black community. Still a Judas, still selling us out probably going to the white man with information. And I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about that some more as well. I'm going to talk about that some more as well. I'm going to let this play and I'm going to come back to that point that I just made. I went back to Boston. I couldn't sleep because sometimes when you learn information that you didn't know that has a tendency to shake, your faith some yeah it keep he already knew about the babies he already knew about the babies he already knew what elijah was doing 
It wasn't information that he didn't know. It's bullshit. Keeps you up. I could not sleep that night, and five o'clock the next morning, as that's our time for prayer, Brother Malcolm called me. He said, Brother Lewis, I want you to delay the letter that you were going to write to give me a chance to write a letter to explain what I said and why. I said, brother, it's going to take me some time to get my head together to write such a letter. So if you can get your letter off in that time, fine. I do not want to be put in between two powerful men. He said, well, if you didn't want to be put between two powerful men, if you truly didn't want to be put between two powerful men, then you didn't have to say anything. You knew that this was going to uh, cause confusion and, and bring up a big beef in the nation of Islam and lead to everything that it led to. If you didn't want to be put between two powerful men, and I'm glad that you know that you're not a powerful man and in the equation, then why say anything? Why go and instigate a beef? If somebody told you something as a friend, why go back and, and instigate it? And it was already known the reason why you were being told the information. But y'all took the information, you lied on Malcolm, you went to Elijah and further instigated a beef. And this is not the fault of the FBI. You were a grown ass motherfucking man at that time. This is not just the fault of the FBI. Yes, the FBI played a role. Yes, they had spies in 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 the in the uh, nation of Islam. But you were one of them. You were one of them. You were working for someone. You were working for someone. I'm going to play a clip. I'm going to make sure I play this clip after the conclusion of this interview. I might play it in between. There's a clip that you can find on YouTube of the FBI going to Malcolm's house and Malcolm Tate recorded it. This is right during Malcolm's suspension, right after he got suspended. And the FBI told him, hey, we know what's going on with the suspension. They felt like he was vulnerable because they understood that there was a rift happening, that, that he was on the outs. So they wanted to take advantage of this vulnerability. This is what this is how they use their intelligence, the, the counterintelligence program. They use information. They use intelligence to counter your movement so that they, they knew that Malcolm had been suspended. They said, hey, we got something here. Maybe we can get Malcolm to flip. Maybe we can get him to flip. So this is the only reason why they came and visited him. It was after his suspension because they knew that he was on the outs with Elijah and that this was the only opportunity they would have if there ever was one to go to Malcolm and see if they could get, if they could turn him over to their side. But Malcolm turned them down. He said, nah, no, I'm not giving you no names. I don't have no information or whatever. Malcolm basically asked them, what would you what would make you think you could come to me and get me to flip? And they told Malcolm, well, you'd be surprised who we have working for us. You'd be surprised. People who give us information. They told Malcolm, look, we can line your pockets. Of course, there'll be some financial benefit in it for you. We'd be surprised. What do you think they 
What do you think happened when those same FBI agents came to this snake? What do you think happened when those same FBI agents came to this snake? He gave them those names. He gave them everything when they came to him. This ain't no character. He couldn't even hold a secret for Malcolm. You think he was going to hold a secret for the people in the nation of Islam? It's a goddamn snake. And people like Boyce Watkins and all these rappers kissing ass and praising this man. You need to go study your motherfucking history, you dumbasses. Go study your history. Read the FBI reports from that time. If you go back and, and you listen to some of my earlier podcasts, I've read the, the 1968 counterintelligence um, document where they listed, oh, Malcolm X, potential black messiah, Elijah Muhammad, potential black messiah, Martin Luther King, if he stops uh, bowing down to white liberals and gets and joins the black national black nationalist movement, can be a black messiah. And then Stokely Carmichael, they said that he had the charisma to be a black messiah. Louis Farrakhan was the national spokesperson for the Nation of Islam at that time. His name is not mentioned in that FBI document or none of the other ones. He was the national spokesperson for the Nation of Islam at that time. Why wasn't he listed as a potential messiah? Because they, they had his ass. He was in their pocket. They had his ass. When they went to him, I guarantee you he sold out. And that's why his name isn't listed. All of the, the, the valuable leaders, the Fred Hamptons, the Huey Newtons, all of those guys, they got killed. They went to jail. Martin Luther King went to jail, got killed. Malcolm X got killed. Stokely Carmichael got ran out the country. This man never did a day in jail, never got killed. Not even a goddamn attempt on his life. It's a fucking sellout. Well, there's only one powerful man. I said, I'm aware of that, but I'm also aware that your relationship with me and mine with you and him would be troubled. Malcolm wrote his letter and mine came after his letter and he was summoned to Arizona to answer his teacher. Now that was a very difficult period in the nation's life because most of you have girlfriends that you now listen to this now he's going to to appeal to people's lower selves oh most of you have girlfriends that you haven't legitimized as, as wives this is this is one of the biggest lies he he tells and joseph x even said said that this was a lie joseph x even said that, that this was a lie elijah muhammad never said that those girls were wives in fact he been, he denied paternity of those kids at first Said that he wasn't with him and all that other kind of stuff. He denied the paternity at first. He never claimed those girls as wives. Never. Some of them were so young he couldn't claim. They couldn't be legally married. But he never claimed those girls as wives. And he's going to sit here and appeal to people and say, look, some of you guys have girlfriends or whatever. We're not running around here calling ourselves the messenger of Allah. We're not the one around here saying that we learn from God in the person and that you should follow me and blah, 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 blah. But he's going to go ahead and say, oh, some of you have girlfriends that you haven't legitimized as wives and blah, 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 basically saying, look, if this man want to have some side chicks and blah, 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 then he can. 
And it, I mean, and if that's what you're going to do, that's what you're going to do. But he kicked those girls out of the nation of Islam on charges of fornication for fornicating with him. They were kicked out of the nation of Islam and shamed, brought before court and shamed. And he said as the judge, he said as the judge, when he was the one that was a part of what was going on. Those girls were kicked out of the nation. Kicked out on charges of fornication for fornicating with the leader of the nation of Islam, Elijah Muhammad. But this man is going to sit here and placate, placate like, oh, some of you guys have girlfriends that you haven't legitimized as wives. Bullshit. Bullshit. Don't legitimize them as wives. Not, I'm not talking to you yeah. personally. Yeah. But most men have women on the side, but they don't accept the responsibility of procreation. Most men have women on the side. We should do an episode about his women on the side. Since most men have women on the side, we should do an episode about his women on the side and maybe some of the kids that he had has had outside of his marriage. I may have to stop this uh, particular recording and pick up and I'm going to let it, you know, continue. I'm going to go ahead and let this play out. I want to make one more point before I let this play. This interview, this segment of the interview is not really a whole lot of interviewing. It's not like Sway is getting to ask a whole lot of questions. It's like Farrakhan is going on a on a monologue. This is it becomes very monologuish at this point in the interview. And he just completely monologues the joint out. Just completely monologues it out. And Sway tries to get in the question or tries to get in the point where he can, but dude just completely took it over. All right. Elijah Muhammad married these women. They produced for him children. Never any marriage ceremony, guys. It's a goddamn lie. It's a goddamn lie. And I don't know how people allow him to get away with this bullshit. I don't know how people allow him to get away with this bullshit. And nobody calls him on it. Nobody says, hey, prove, is, prove that this is whatever. There is a speech and probably, like I said, probably in a future episode, I'll play a clip of the speech. There's a speech where he brought these women and tried to pass them off as wives and put on a show and change the history. And people started walking out of the auditorium. People started walking out of the auditorium on him because the auditorium on him because they knew that this was BS. You can find this clip on YouTube of people walking out of the auditorium on him. Because he tried to pass off this bullcrap. Now, what you don't know, and you're going to have to face it, women are outnumbering men today from 7 to 11 to 1. And women today lose as a commodity because there there's more than the demand the demand is on the man because he's less 
she's more in terms of numbers. So women are played. All right. Let me see something. So the number of men and women in the world is roughly equal. This I'm reading this from the sources of the United Nations Department of Economic and Social Affairs Population Division. This is of 2019 World Population Prospects 2019 Custom Data Acquired via website. Now it looks like I'm going to run out of time here. I'm going to stop the recording and, and come back in, guys. All right. So as I was saying, this is from an article called Are There More Men and Women in the World? And this is answering to what he was saying in this little diatribe about women are outnumbering men and whatever the case is. Once again, the source is the United Nations Department of Economic and Social Affairs, Population Division 2019, World Population Prospects 2019, Custom Data Acquired via website. And this was updated on May 5th, uh, May 6th, rather, uh, in the year 2020. Here we go. The number of men in the world is roughly equal, though men hold a slight lead with 102 men, 102 men for 100 women in 2020. More precisely, out of 1,000 people, 504 are men, 50.4 percent, and 496 are women. 49.6%. For every 100 girls, 106 boys are born. But males have a higher risk of dying than females, both in childhood and at adult ages. So at certain so at a certain age, the number of men and women even out. In France, this occurs at age 25. Beyond this age, women outnumber men and numerical differences between the two sexes increase with age. In France, eight uh sanitarians and 10 are women in 2020. So that's like when people get older, women are outliving men. The causes can be diet, war, whatever the case is. But it's not this drastic 10 to 1, 7 to 1 bullshit that people pass off because they want to get a bunch of women and not take care of the kids or whatever the case is, or just get a bunch of women just for the, the hell of it. This is bullcrap. And he's about to give some type of scriptural, um, reference for this that is a is a quote from the quran and it took place during wartime like i said which is one of the times where men uh their numbers tend to decrease because they die off in war M women don't tend to die off in war but if we stop killing each other then we this really wouldn't be an issue so the big solution to this is not to uh to become polygamous and create a bunch of children or whatever the case is we haven't even mastered monogamy yet Let's work on getting that down. Work on loving one woman and one man as high as divorce rates are uh, in America. And even in some places, they're increasing internationally. But I'll just talk about America. As high as divorce rates are here in America, nobody should be talking about no goddamn polygamy. People need to be learning how to love one woman and learn how to take care of their kids, especially in the black community. We're coming up from slavery. We're coming up from fathers not even being in the household. And you want to jump? to the polygamy step just because it's something that'll get your that'll wet your whistle wet your whistle nah worry about raising an actual family and loving one woman and having kids with that one woman and 
master that first before you get to talking about polygamy. And this man is trying to pass it off. Oh, like it's some fact that we're just going to have to accept or whatever. That's bullcrap game and it's justification for what happened. It's justification for what, what happened. Malcolm struggled in his early childhood, but I will give him credit for one thing. The FBI and the CIA and the New York Bossy Division, they followed him all over New York. They followed him all over uh, the United States of America, and they followed him all over the world, Egypt, Africa, and poisoned them in some places. They never seen him cheating on his wife. No affairs. No children outside of his marriage. All of his children come from his wife. All of his children come from his wife. And that's that's honorable. That's the honorable. That's a man that we can call honorable. Not having babies and then denying them and then trying to come back and take care of them later and all this other kind of stuff. When you were denying paternity. But one day. We're going to have to think over what polygamy is. It's not the best solution, but when Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, went to war, many men lost their lives and left their wives as, and their children sometimes as often. So the Quran permitted the Muslim male to have up to four wives under that circumstance. Elijah Muhammad. We weren't at a war term, times during the time when Elijah Muhammad was doing what, what he was doing. There wasn't a war time and Elijah Muhammad taught that he was the Muhammad of the Bible and that the what Muhammad, I mean the Muhammad of the Quran but then he also said that he's the, he said that he was the Muhammad of the Quran and the Jesus of the Bible. But then he also said that the Muhammad of the Quran uh, was a white man. All right. I'm getting back into the interview. Muhammad taught us against fornication <clears throat> and adultery. So naturally, if he is taking wives... He taught against fornication and adultery. He kicked people out and suspended them for fornication and adultery, all while being a fornicator and adulterer. All of us that follow him, that had girlfriends before we met him, it might trigger us to go back into fornication and adultery. I defended Elijah Muhammad. I did not defend Malcolm. I was angry with him because Elijah Muhammad took Brother Malcolm from prison. A brilliant man, potentially, but doing criminal things. And when Elijah Muhammad, when he became a follower of Elijah Muhammad, and came out of prison, I know the NAACP wouldn't use him, nor would the Urban League, because Malcolm only 
had an eighth grade education. Uh -huh. But after Elijah Muhammad taught him. This is one of the beautiful things about the nation of Islam is that they were willing to reach down into the street and reach down into the gutter and get people that nobody else wanted, that nobody else saw beauty and strength. And they were willing to raise these people up. But it came at a hell of a cost because it's like, yeah, you built this man up, but then you're also responsible for taking his goddamn life and murdering him in front of his wife and children, bombing his house that had his wife and, and uh, little little baby girls in it. So it's like, damn, nobody else, the NAACP and a lot of those bougie Negroes and bougie Negro organizations, yes, they wouldn't have put their hands on a, on a street dude like Malcolm X. And we give the organization credit for reaching back into the org and reaching back into the black community and bringing up, up those people. But at what cost? Because it's like a lot of these people didn't become truly reformed. If Joseph X is throwing a goddamn Molotov cocktail bomb through your house, is he truly performed? Or is he truly reformed? Or is he just another nigga? These people just became niggas in bow ties. It's like they cleaned up their act and stopped committing crimes out in the street. And then they just committed crimes for, for on the behalf of the nation of Islam. So it's like, are they a reformed dog? Like not a dog anymore. Or now they just a trained dog. So now they only kill people when you tell them to kill them. Or they only commit crimes when you tell them to commit crimes. That's not true reformation. What Malcolm X became, that's true reformation. Being loyal to his wife, taking care of his family, which you guys tried to stop him from doing. Tried to kick him out on the street and kick him out of his house and stop him from being able to feed his family and take his living away from him and eventually took his life away from him. That's real manhood. That's true reform. A lot of those guys in the nation of Islam were not truly reformed and they were they were criminals. If you look at the guy who was responsible for the shotgun shooting, who who, who held the shotgun um, in the Malcolm X assassination, his name is William Bradley. This dude did 20 years in, in jail after the Malcolm X assassination, not because he was convicted for murdering Malcolm X or even uh, convicted for any participation conspiracy or anything dealing with the Malcolm X situation. He did 20 years in jail because he was a career criminal. And this guy was a, a lieutenant or something within the Newark Mosque. At the age of 27, he was a lieutenant. But he, he not only did he murder Malcolm X, he was performing bank robberies. He had something on there that was like either rape or sexual assault, all kinds of theft. He just, this guy was in and out of jail for over 20 years of time. He didn't do just like 20 years straight. It was like if you calculate the times that he went in and out of jail, he did 20 years as a criminal. And that's not including uh, murdering Malcolm X and participating in that, which he should have done life for. 20 years in and out of jail. And this man is a captain in your organization. He was a captain in your organization. A captain. Is this really reform? That man became a giant. So it would seem to me that regardless to what you felt about your teacher, why would you try to destroy a movement that gave you life because your teacher disciplined you? 
we back at the intersection of another lie. Malcolm did not try to destroy the movement because his teacher disciplined him or whatever. He took the 90 days and then they wouldn't let him back into the nation. And there was other things going on. When he left the nation of Islam, similar to Khalid, he played the humble. He played the humble role. He's like, look, I still believe Elijah Muhammad has the best solution. I believe I can help Elijah Muhammad further his teachings better outside of the nation than I can inside of the, the nation because, look, I'm running into challenges with the leadership. He's still not dissing Elijah Muhammad. He's still saying that his solution is the best. Still saying that he wants to help Elijah Muhammad bring his program and his platform forward. He's still showing loyalty. Wasn't coming at the organization. But you guys were wiring his car up in January. He left in March. In January, you guys were wiring his car, trying to wire his car up so that he would explode in his car and die. Trying to get a silencer from Amir up in, in um, I think the guy's name is Leon Amir or something like that. They were trying to get a silencer from a guy up in Massachusetts. Luckily, the guy knew Malcolm back from the street days. This is somebody that was probably once again truly reformed. And he's like, look, I'm not trying to kill. I'm not trying to kill Malcolm. So he came to Malcolm and told him about it. And this guy ended up, they ended up beating him. And then later he was killed at the hands of the nation of Islam. Criminals. And that's where we fell out. Yeah. But those actions questioned his faith, though, right? Yes. Okay. And naturally, then. Swag trying to get a little word in. Those actions question his faith. And Farrakhan just said, yeah, kept it going. Sway, Sway tried. He tried to get a little word in. When your faith is shaken, uh -huh. you do what you think you should do. But most of the people don't know that Malcolm tried to get back into the nation before he was assassinated. Really? So why would he come back? If your faith was broken, why would you come back? Why wouldn't you guys let him back in the nation? Why wasn't he allowed back into the nation? In order to get kicked out of the nation of Islam, you have to have a, a trial and be brought before court. He said, look, you guys can even have the house if you give me my trial. He was never brought uh, before a trial. What was the reason he was kicked out of the nation of Islam? And why wasn't he allowed to come back? How about that question? How can you answer that question? It's because he realized the nation made Malcolm and Malcolm helped to make the nation. And one year, two years outside of the nation, he was wandering, not quite sure where he wanted to go. He was a black nationalist and then he became an Orthodox Muslim. We fell out. And I can't take that back. Mm -hmm. Because he taught me how to defend my teacher. And I went to him and showed him what I knew and found in the Quran about the domestic life of my teacher. And Malcolm said to me, I already know that, brother. You can't handle that. I'll handle that. 
fine. Sounds like some revisionist bullcrap. I'll let it play on. But he mishandled it. And he made the teacher to look bad when he could have defended the teacher just by using the knowledge of the Quran. Mm -hmm. So how did he make the teacher look bad when he didn't even start talking about this until he was outside of the, the nation of Islam after you guys had, had kicked him out? And he didn't talk about it immediately after he left. It was only after you guys had tried to uh, kick him out of his house and, and um, throw his family on the street that he eventually uh, began to talk about what what's the real reason why you guys were after him and trying to kill him and trying to take his house. So, unfortunately, it led to a back and forth. Like a husband and wife break apart, the children are watching a drama. And sometimes the drama gets so tense that one parent will attack another parent to get the children on their side and vice versa. That's the decision that I had to make over a man that inspired my Islamic life and the teacher of my Islamic life. I could not follow Brother Malcolm. Uh -huh. I had to follow the teacher who taught us both. Time and circumstances now brought my brother to an assassination. There's a hell of a climate you can't leave the FBI out of this. You can't leave the US government out of this. They plotted to divide Malcolm from his teacher and create the circumstances that led to his assassination. And in the Freedom of Information Act, <clears throat> you can find all of this that the government was involved in. Malcolm went to Egypt and was poisoned in Egypt. We were not there when he went to France. And France wouldn't let him in. He took the, uh, um, the money of uh, De Gaulle with, that had De Gaulle's picture on it and threw it on the ground. He knew that De Gaulle did not want him assassinated on French soil. We're not over there. It's bigger than the nation of Islam. We had differences, yes. And some from the nation were charged with killing him and did 26 years to life and they were innocent. The one that was guilty did the time and then he came out and he named all those who were involved in that action with himself. Uh -huh. These are records that you can get there, there in the court with Kunstler and, and others. Now I want to say this in closing this, you know. Betty, of course, and I, we were at odds. See, he's like, yeah, I want to say this again. We're closing this. He's got control here completely. Sway is not in control here at all. Normally, you know, the person that's interviewing you will tell you, look, we, you know, we're moving on to the whatever. 
He's like, look, I'm about to close this out here. But then the FBI came to my door and told me that we're going to announce somebody was trying is trying to assassinate you, Farrakhan, and we're going to make the announcement at 11 o'clock or something. When the announcement came out, they said it was Kabila Shabazz who had paid some little white boy a little bit of money and he was to assassinate Louis Farrakhan. Now these are things you can get, it's, it's public record. Yeah. I didn't let the FBI put that mess over. Now I'm gonna ask a, I'm gonna ask a question. And this is for everybody out there that claims to be street and streetwise and street smart or whatever the case is. If this guy was such a threat to America and his voice just was not wanted and they wanted to just shut him up permanently because he's such a threat, why wouldn't they let Malcolm X's daughter kill him? Why would they intervene in order to save his life? They did. They damn sure didn't intervene in order to save Malcolm's life. You had a, a, a FBI guy, Gene Roberts, or he was a part of the New York bossy team that was right there um, on the front ro uh, rostrum when Malcolm was assassinated. They didn't intervene to, to save his life. There was a bunch of FBI um, agents and uh, police officers that were around the building, and some of them non-uniformed were in the building in the Autobahn bomb room where Malcolm X was assassinated. They didn't intervene to save his life. Why? And, and matter of fact, John Ali was saying that they were going to kill Malcolm across the air. They did not intervene to save his life at all. Why would they intervene to save Farrakhan's life if he's such this threat and they just want to get him away? They intervened to save his life because that's their boy. Controlled opposition. Controlled opposition is the appearance of radicalism where your radical people will flock to this person and then they'll know who your radical people are. But you're controlled by him so that the people of Khalid, people like Khalid Muhammad aren't just off the leash. You'll have somebody to flock to. You control the left and you control the right. It's just like um, in, in American politics. The Republicans and the Democrats is two wings on the same bird. The bird is going to the to the same place, the same destination. No matter if you're on the left wing or the right wing of the bird it's going to the same destination. So it don't even matter because they got you. And that's what this dude is. He's like a left wing kind of cat that they that they use. And this is why his name is not in those FBI documents. This is why he was not seen as any type of a radical or any type of a black messiah, despite him being the national representative for the nation of Islam at the time that that document was written. And he was the, the national representative at that time for probably some years, because I think he got that appointment as soon as Malcolm um, <coughs> was kicked out. So he had already been the national spokesperson for years. And he, he was never listed as any kind of threat in any of those 
FBI documents. Never. Over on me and on us, we had a press conference and I took the side of Kubila and Betty that they were set up to create a problem between the nationalist community and the nation of Islam. So Betty and I then stood together and at the Apollo Theater, we raised money to help Kubila out of that situation. And finally, the government dropped the case. Mm -hmm. And now they're not going to tell you what Farrakhan did to start to bridge that gap. That night at the Apollo Theater, I used the term Brother Malcolm. And Betty said, I hope that you will continue to see him as Brother Malcolm, something like that. And when you hear me talk, mention his name, I say, Brother Malcolm, time heals wounds. There are some wounds that time won't heal, but I know that time will heal this wound because now there's Kobila, there's Aliasha, they're the twins. <clears throat> That's a beautiful family. All fatherless, thanks to you and, and the actions of the FBI and all of those people that, you, that y'all worked in cahoots with in order to murder that brother in front of his family. And I don't know if Tom will heal the wound of her seeing her father murdered in front of her. I don't know if Tom will heal that wound. And you think about Malik Shabazz or Malcolm Shabazz the only male member that represents Malcolm X killed in Mexico. The FBI arrested that brother because he was going to Iran to a conference. The government has never stopped trying to harm both the nation and the Shabazz family. So today, I don't say that we're friends, but I do say that we're better than we were 20 years ago. And I want to say to all of you who think that Farrakhan did something to murder Malcolm or was a part of it, don't you know that is if you didn't do anything then what were you apologizing to the daughter for you admitted out of your own mouth that you played a role in creating the atmosphere i believe you did more than just that um but that's what you already said that you did so how are you going to backtrack on that and you supposedly already apologized for it but here we go. This is once again, this is his character.
as much as this enemy hates me, that if they had any evidence that I was a part of a conspiracy to murder Brother Malcolm, I wouldn't be here with this brother now. I'd be in some prison cell and they wouldn't have to be afraid of the truth coming out of my mouth because they would have silenced me behind prison bars. So, you know, I have nothing to do with that. And I would hope that you would be intelligent enough to know that the enemy is still working. Today, Louis Farrakhan is the voice that Malcolm was. Here we go. Here we go. Right, Malcolm's jock again. Talking about he's the voice that, that Malcolm was. Here we go. What does, what does that have to do with anything? Why are you comparing yourself to a man that you know you can't live up uh, to his shoes? You know you not know Malcolm X. You know it. And and a dead Malcolm X is worth more than you. People still reference that man today. Malcolm was, if you read that, like I said, once again, the 1968 um, counterintelligence document, when they were talking about who the black messiahs were, Malcolm was dead and he was listed and your name wasn't in there. And you were alive and well and the national spokesperson of the Nation of Islam jockeying for Malcolm's position once again and talking about, oh, I am that voice that today that Malcolm was. No, you are not. You are not no Malcolm. Talk the talk, but you can't walk the walk. Talk the talk, but cannot walk the walk. Do you think they don't want me silenced? Well, soon it'll be my turn because they're trying to find some way to arrest me or have some silly person think that they should kill me. And that's out there, too. Mm -hmm. You you receive death threats? Well, if I did. And I know you can't you guys can't see this. But when when Sway asked him if he received death threats, he kind of looked down to his left and 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 uh, he's about to answer the question. But he kind of looked down to the on on his left side and he know he ain't received no death threats. This man is in is well protected and it's not just no FOI. It might be some FBI and some CIA and some other government agency, but it ain't just no FOI. It's definitely some FBI and some other people protecting this man. All right, I'm back. I had to pick it back up. Let me uh, take it back a step, and then I'll let him answer the question. I'll come back on. If I did, I... And that's out there, too. Mm-hmm. You, you received death threats? Well, he know he if I no did, I, I don't know it. Mm-hmm. If he did and he don't know it. So if you haven't received death threats, then why are you thinking that people are out there trying to kill you and imprison you and all this other kind of stuff? It's bull crap. This is the kind of mythology that this man is trying to create around himself, that he's some sort after person and that people are looking to kill him and imprison him or whatever. That's all mythological bullshit. And he knows it because if there was really death threats against him, he would know it. Malcolm knew that they were trying to take his life because he couldn't hang up uh, the phone. 
The phone was ringing, ringing. They would call day and night. And some of those people that were calling, threatening to kill Malcolm were not from the FBI. Some of those people were FOI. They were from the Nation of Islam. And they called this man's house repeatedly and repeatedly talking about killing this man. That ain't no brotherly stuff. That ain't no reform. That ain't no righteousness. That's not something that no Muslim is supposed to be doing. And saying that the government dropped the case before the Apollo. Yes, they did. That's what made the Apollo so strong. But I, I mentioned that it was after the Apollo. No, I didn't say that they stopped it after the Apollo. They stopped it, period. That's all. It's a matter of fact. Well, why did the government back out? If they thought they had something, why didn't they continue? See, when. If they wanted you silenced, why didn't they let you get killed? Because they don't want you silenced. Because you play a role, and that role benefits them. Because they know who are the forward-thinking, progressive-thinking, pro-black people, thanks to you. Because you play that role, and people flock to you because of it, and you are controlled opposition. Because we didn't play into the plot. And that's why they lost. So I'm saying this to you, brother. Um, it's a question that I don't mind answering. Uh -huh. You know. But no matter what mistake I believe Malcolm made. He died that I might live. Some more because he bullshit. made a mistake that I learned from when I split with Wallace D. Muhammad, you never heard me say one negative word. I'm going to talk about this too. When Kyla split, he wasn't saying no negative words about you and he still got shot at eventually. And when Malcolm split, he had more heat on him, but originally he wasn't saying any negative words either. That situation that happened with you and Worf Dean was real lightweight it wasn't like first of all Worf dean had already like dismantled the foi or whatever you weren't in any danger you didn't even have the foi anybody like that coming after you because Worf dean had already he really wasn't looking to 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 kill you your life wasn't it this is what i'm talking about with this placating this man's life was not in any danger the FOI didn't even exist at the time because Worf Dean dismantled it. And why did Worf Dean dismantle the FOI? Elijah Muhammad's son, Worf Dean, he, he broke up the FOI because he said that there was either 10 or 11 murders that he knew that the Fruit of Islam participated in. And he didn't want that organization under his banner, under his religion, because he knew it didn't represent Islam. So he dismantled it. He, he disbarred it. He, he broke it all up. This man's life wasn't in any danger. Worf Dean wasn't going to kill this man. But this is a mistake that I learned from. And Blasi, I mean, it's bull crap. It's philosophical bull crap. About that man. Because they were the institution. I was just an individual. Uh -huh. But Allah has made me an institution now. So... In the end, I'll be the winner. I don't care what the government says. 
I'm the winner now and I'll be the winner in the end. How are you the winner with the condition that our people are in? How are you the winner? I need to know. The mur you live in Chicago. The murder rate in Chicago is is the highest in the country with black men killing each other. How the fuck are you the winner? The winner of what? The winner of what? How are you the winner? I, I just don't understand how this man can announce himself the winner of anything. I think when they had, when they, they gave Martin Luther King a Nobel Peace Prize, and I don't think that Malcolm was trying to be malicious about it, but he was like, look, you need to take a second look at anybody who um, is getting peace prizes and, you know, they're giving this man's medals and we and we still at war. This is how I feel about this. It's, it's actually worse because Martin Luther King eventually, you know, he took that peace prize thing and he eventually went to war. I'm really concerned if this man is announcing himself to be the winner, the winner of what? What is he the winner of? And when we look at what's going on in the black community, all over internationally, domestically here in America, but especially in Chicago, you shouldn't be calling yourself the goddamn winner of anything as much murder is happening in Chicago right there where you are. And you don't have the FOI on the street doing anything about it. How are you the winner? Fuck out of here with that bullshit. And you know what? I call him brother Malcolm. Because even though he's dead, he's bringing more people to Islam in death uh -huh. than some of these living ones, including you, cannot do. Including you. And the thing that has made Malcolm, it's not an accident. Did you ever read the 11 daily newspapers after Brother Malcolm was assassinated? No, I didn't read them. Did you know that every paper in New York rejoiced at the murder of Brother Malcolm? Go back and look. They tried to make a movie on Brother Malcolm, and members of the Jewish community would not finance it or let it come out. Did you know that Brother Malcolm was by the ADL the number one anti-Semite when he was killed? Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Did you know that that's what I am now to them? Here we go. Once again, jockeying on Malcolm, who's been dead at like at the time of this interview, is like been dead for like 50 years at this point and you still jockeying and can making comparisons with yourself like wow goodness dude goodness gracious I'm gonna let it play do they love me no, i'm asking you a question no, sir. why don't they love me because I exposed them. Right. Malcolm exposed them as the architects of all the civil rights organizations. They were behind them, giving them money. And you know what the theme was? Non 
economic liberalism. That none of these organizations, CORE, SNCC, NAACP, could involve themselves in economic development because economic development would take money out of the hands of the Jewish people that funded civil rights. Man, you gotta look deep at what's going on today. Don't be no surface people. But we are the winners. I don't know what the hell we are the winners of, and especially don't know what the hell you the winner of with what's going on today. I I don't know. I want to play one more clip. This is a different clip than the, the Sway interview. This is still, I believe this happened in the late 2000s as well. Um, like uh, the last interview um, was back in 2015. And I think this one, at least at the time, is posted. It may, it, he may have said this earlier than this, but I believe the, the date that I'm seeing here is 2017. But he may have said this earlier. It's still 40, 50 years after the fact. And the fact that he'd be talking greasy about Malcolm the way he does and the lies that he tells. 30, 40, 25 years after the fact, the lies that he tells is just crazy. I'm going to play this. I'm going to play one more clip, and then I'm going to get out of here. I, uh, I was talking with a sister one day, and she mentioned one of my ministers. And she said, you know, he was abused when he was young. I didn't say a word. But when she said that, I brought him up in my mind and I looked at him. Some of us are very authoritative. Because we're trying to be men because somebody did something to us. And in order to be men, when you're in a position of authority, you, 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 you use it in a negative way to beat people down rather than help people up. You know people like that in the church. You raise them up and give them authority. And the next thing you know, they're hurting and harming people because they don't know how to serve. Their egos are so destroyed by the things that have happened to them in their lives. Even though they preach the word, they're sick inside. In case you don't know who he's trying to take shots at here. He's trying to take shots at Khaled Muhammad and say that he was abused and that he was using his abuse to whatever. But he never called for Malcolm X's death. You did that. You're the one that says that Malcolm will not escape and all of those things. You're the one that called for his death. And I'm going to find, I'm going to play a clip if I can find. It's going to be the last clip I play today of Farrakhan basically celebrating Malcolm's ex assassination. He did it on more than one occasion. One day I'll just put together a whole collage of this. Kid. It's just so much of it. It's just hard for me to compile it all and put it together so when i find a good clunk like i did today i can really speak on it but one day i just gotta compile all of this shit and just let everybody know that this is who this man is and y'all need to stop revering this man in this community he is not one of our true elders this dude is not on the side of righteousness he's not on the side of black people he's on the side of lining up his pockets making money and being the winner or 
you know, the honorable this, the honorable that. But it's not a, a collective win where, where we are the winners. It's really about him. I'm going to let this play. And they need a healing. So when I, she said that, I looked at my brother. And I hope that I'm not being out of place when I say this. I had a wonderful helper in Brother Khalid Muhammad. I met him as a student at, at uh, Dillard University in Louisiana. He had a big uh, medallion of Brother Malcolm on his chest. Oh, God. And he came to the nation. Such a beautiful person inside. When he saw his brother in a bad shape, Khaled would go and sit down on the curb yes. with him and talk to him and pick him up and bring him to the mosque and put him in the shower and get some clothes and put it on him. That's the kind of heart he had. But something was disturbing him. He didn't have the best relationship with his mother. He was in foster homes and only God knows what happens to our children when they're in these places. And so he always felt that he had to be more macho than anybody else. And I tried to civilize him and tell him how you can be a state. I tried to civilize him. Wow. Wow. That's 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 very interesting choice of words. I tried to civilize him. Statesman, but you want to fight all the time and you know show off this kind of power and and I didn't realize that my brother was offended affected rather by some abuse I grew up under brother Malcolm he was my mentor I'm here because of him he died that I might live He was the first man, real man in my life. He had a problem with women. I never hit my wife until I became a Muslim. He ain't have no problem with women. If you read anything about Sister Betty or anything, you never hear any allegations of abuse or anything crazy like that. If he hit his wife, that's because he wanted to hit his wife. Can't blame that bull crap on Malcolm. Because under brother Malcolm, I, he wanted me to be a man and to be a man, meaning you had to take charge of your house. And, and so I was trying to take charge and, <laughs> and treat my wife like a soldier. And she was pregnant with my daughter, Maria. And, you know, gave me a little back talk. And I hit her. And she hit me back. <laughs> he just admitted to hitting his pregnant wife. This is your, your guy, though. Now, he, he can go and run and tell Elijah, you know, Malcolm told me this, Malcolm told me that. How come he didn't ask Elijah for any um, advice on his domestic life? If he's sitting there hitting his hitting his pregnant wife, 
Man, this guy. I ain't never raised my hand again. Wait a minute now, I'm about to say something. Malcolm had a problem with women. And if you read his autobiography and you read the latest book by Manning Marable, he never had a good relationship with his own mother. How many of us in places of authority don't know how to love because we didn't have a good relationship with our mother? I'm talking to All right. So, wow, that is a lot. I could go ahead and cut it off there. I'm going to see if I can find this clip of um, Farrakhan celebrating Malcolm's death. I'm going to say it was in the year 1972. Yes, he praises Malcolm's killers. I'm going to play this clip and then I'm going to get out of here and uh, call it a show. Malcolm didn't know what he was playing with. No, he didn't. He didn't know what he was playing with. You don't jump up against a divine messenger of God like he did. He asked to die. And God obliged him. So you don't understand. Like someone said, did, did you Muslims kill Malcolm? So the messenger said, and what if we did? What if we did? They have this, what if we did? That Now they'll say, a lot of people in the Nation of Islam, they'll say, oh, Malcolm, we didn't do it. We didn't assassinate. They on the whole, we didn't assassinate Malcolm X thing. It was the CIA. It was this mythical person or whatever. Even though we know all of the killers came from Newark and uh, Temple 25 out there in Newark. We know that, but they will deny it all Day then they have everybody doing all of these things. They send Wesley Muhammad on a we didn't kill Malcolm X campaign and Nori Muhammad on a we didn't kill Malcolm X campaign. If you didn't kill somebody, you definitely wouldn't be sitting there saying, Well, what if we did? What if we did kill him? What are you gonna do about it? Have you ever seen his leader scandalized like Malcolm scandalized Muhammad? the killers when these guys were not brave because only one of the people got caught they all ran out of the thing one of them was shot they all ran out of the thing and they all they all said that look if not they all said the main the guy who who actually got caught he's like look if they would have had a, a search at the door we probably wouldn't have uh went there that day and there's another time where he said they was plotting to kill malcolm and they drove by his house and it was heavily armed. So they said that it wasn't a good idea because they it was heavily armed. They didn't want no smoke. 
They only went there and did that th that day was because they knew that Malcolm's people for, was for the most part disarmed. Them getting shot was not a part of the plan. The, the one that got shot, I believe it was Clarence Gill. that got popped by Reuben Francis uh, in the in the stomach as he was uh, trying to escape after shooting at Malcolm. He got popped by one of Malcolm's security guards. And he was later arrested, but he got out and disappeared off the face of the earth somewhere. But Reuben Francis... He, he was a he was a, a a true soldier for Malcolm. They were not fearless men, and they didn't want no smoke and no gun battle. They got out of that auditorium and they were surprised at the fact that there was shots coming back at them because when they knew for sure that it would be a gun battle, they didn't engage. They did not engage. They only knew look okay they don't have any guns they don't want to search at the door nobody else in here is going to have guns then they were they were not fearless men they were cowards and here we have lewis x lewis x walcott today known as farrakhan praising the murder the murderers of malcolm x but this is your guy this is your guy this is the guy that boyce watkins thinks is the man And those who were there to guard it, they were ducking. Damn cowardly dogs, ducking and running under poles instead of trying to protect the man that you say is your leader. You damn punk, you don't have no leader. One of the ones that was ducking, I think, I think his name was Charles Blackwell or something like that. There were two guys that were on the front rostrums the night that the day that Malcolm was assassinated. February 22nd, 1965 at the Autobahn Bomb Room. There were two guys that were basically infiltrators. You had Gene Roberts, who was an infiltrator for the Boston, New York division, but there were two other guys. I can't remember their names exactly, but they were from Newark and they should have been able to identify the killers. As a matter of fact, Joseph X said very, up until the moment that the assassination played out, they thought that those two were going to identify those brothers from Newark and, and, and basically stepped to him, but they didn't. Those guys were infiltrated and they, and I know at least one of them came into a, to a large sum of money after Malcolm was killed. So you're talking about at least three guys on his front rostrum that was infiltrated. One of them from the New York, um, bossy division that had a gun on them and didn't shoot back or nothing. And then you had these two guys from Newark, one of which just like kind of knelt down and allowed the shotgun shooter to get his shot off. If he's your leader, why the hell would you stand up for him? Now all of a sudden they can serve you a dead man on a platter. And you hear him up as your leader, not knowing nothing about him while he was alive and know less about him now that he's dead. Malcolm's momentum carried him to his death. All right, so that's enough of that for the day. I know I owe you guys a show um, on the Khalid Muhammad shooting. I will uh, get, um, a, when I get a chance, I, I am going to do that show of when he was shot down. I'm going to have some clips of him talking about it and kind of get it in his own words. And then, you know, I'll be giving some feedback on it. 
So thank you guys so much for listening. Um, I'm going to put this uh, on YouTube. If you check for um, the my YouTube channel, Gospel of Malcolm X, check for this on YouTube. Leave me a comment, guys, if you listen to it. And make sure you're sharing the um, the YouTube channel and sharing the podcast with everybody. We want to get more people on. I want to bring, um, I want to have some guests on and, you know, have some discussions and really bring up this history so that we can learn from it. It's not just a necessarily a necessarily a bash Farrakhan thing. We have to learn from our history. And obviously people that are praising this man today and have him on some type of pedestal as some type of righteous leader. These are people that don't understand history or they I'm skeptical of what their motives are. So I, I really have Boyce Watkins and I, I kind of like Boyce a little bit. I kind of have him in the skeptical box because this is not one, but two scam artists, two con artists that you're supporting, and especially this one, because the history is out on dude. Where if you look at it, you can know. I don't give a fuck how good his speeches are or what he's talking about. The history speaks for itself. The facts speak for the, for themselves. The FBI documents, him not being in them, not mentioned in them, speaks for itself. The fact that the FBI approached Brother Malcolm and this recorded. Do you think they ever approached Farrakhan? Hell yes. What do you think happened? We don't know. But what would you assume based off the history? What would you assume happened? So we got to become more critical thinkers, man. We got to be more critical thinkers. And like I said, I don't I don't bring up all of these historical things just because I want to bash people and put people down and whatever. Man, I love being pies and I love I mean, there's people in the nation that I think are cool. But at the same time. I got to bring this history up so that we can learn from this history and look at this stuff and examine it for what it is. I can't really cater to your religious, whatever. If, if Farrakhan is your religious leader, so be it. But you got to acknowledge the truth of what this guy was doing and, and his own words. They speak for himself. Elijah Muhammad, his own words, his own actions. They speak for him themselves. I can't placate to, re to your religiosities, so to speak. I have to tell the truth for what it is. And we have to look at this history and learn from it so that we can build strong organizations in the future and not have this type of infiltration affect the organization and bring it down. And so that we can recognize people like Elijah and people like Farrakhan that may have their own agendas, their own motives. We can be able to spot that and say, hey, that's not going to work here. That's counter revolutionary behavior. And we can point it out and and get it removed before it destroys the organization. Because even though the nation of Islam still exists today, by 1968, they was, the FBI was like, cool, this organization is neutralized. They don't just need to neutralize an organization <coughs> by completely destroying it. They just make your, your organization ineffective so that you aren't doing any revolutionary activity. Now, the Black Panthers, they got so revolutionary that they needed to destroy that movement completely. Needed to, to destroy it completely. But we'll get into that. We will talk about the Black Panthers and all of that history um, in the future and future episodes. So, guys, please, 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 please listen in, download this, share this, you know. Just support the channel. Gospel of Malcolm X podcast thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening and supporting i really 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 appreciate it we are growing we are growing 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 
And thank you guys so much for listening and sharing. And please continue to listen. Please continue to share, guys. Thank you so much. Peace.